guys, it's Lori. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Standard Bible. Check them out at csbible.com. Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 162, The Intellectual Garden. Hello, welcome. I am your host, Lori Krieg, and I'm flying, sadly, without my co-host and husband, Matt Krieg. He's holding down the fort with the kids, but I definitely do have, in another room at the studio, the (laughs) most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. Hey, Steve. Thanks for holding down that fort. Matt's got this fort. Everybody's in a fort. Uh, But I just wanted to clarify because sometimes we have listeners be like, why is Matt always with the kids? Um, It's just how we orchestrate our lives. We're just trying just a little behind the scenes to avoid babysitters like all the time, both financially and we want to be with our kids. So I usually take the first half of the workday and Matt takes the latter half, which works out as a therapist because that's when people want to meet with him is in the evenings. Uh, But I do, like you guys, love when he's here as well. But now, guys, we are going to step back into week two of our garden series, which what are the gardens? If you really want to dive deep into what they are, I'd recommend you listen to the first two intro episodes that we did with Matt uh, and or grab our Impossible Marriage book, which we dive a bit into that. But the purpose of this gardens series is to help us see that life is more than a timeline. It's not just be born and go to school and get married and have babies and die. It's about (laughs) cultivating and bearing much joyful fruit with those around you and the capital G gardener God. Timeline's boring. A garden to cultivate with Jesus is way more fun and just purposeful for crying out loud in my humble opinion. But today we are excited to talk about the intellectual garden or area of our life that we get to cultivate with God and each other with my new friend and co-worker. You heard it here, guys. Uh, Dr. Kathy Cook. Kathy, welcome. I am so glad to be here. I have a feeling we're going to have a good time. I I agree. I hope so. Uh, man, guys, if you do not know Dr. Kathy Cook, she is the founder and president of Celebrate Kids, and she speaks to parents and educators and children of all ages all over on topics related to the eight great smarts, which if you guys are watching this on the YouTube or Vimeo, you can see a copy of her book, Eight Great Smarts, um, as well as she talks about core needs, guys. This is so crazy. Another little behind the scenes stories is when I was writing. Uh, impossible marriage. I was like doing a little boopity boop research on who else talks about core needs. And I was like, Kathy Cook, who is this celebrate kids lady? And I was like, oh, we have some similarities. And I ended up citing your book, Kathy. Isn't that crazy? It's fabulous. I just love how God winks at us. And, you know, he connects his people. It's always intentional, not accidental. And it's fun to look back and see that. It really, really is. And so, man, so she talks about core needs, which I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit today. But uh, in addition to that, writing these books, um, she's also been on Focus on the Family a bunch of times, and she's found herself, I'll brag on you, Kathy, okay, in their top 10 episodes of the year, at least four times. Um, And yeah, she's my new coworker slash boss with some of our impossible marriage trainings. Guys, we talked about this at the start of the year with some of our our shift in the ministry that we're still doing sexuality training here at Impossible Ministries, but Impossible Marriage, for lack of a better term, is being adopted by or leased by you all with Celebrate Kids. 
Kathy, I'd love to just hear from your perspective. <laughs> Why'd you want to saddle up with Matt and I? I mean, <laughs> with the possible <laughs> marriage, how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's... We didn't see it coming, to be very honest with you. And it's a God thing because as soon as we saw it, we knew it. And I love that, the assurance that you get when you're in the Holy Spirit's um, awareness or awakening or whatever you might say. But we um, at Celebrate Kids, we have a conference ministry called Ignite the Family. It was a freestanding ministry that I co-founded with some people, Suzanne and Lane Phillips. It was Hearts at Home too. It became Ignite the Family. We were running it as a sister organization, got complex, was expensive. We thought, hey, let's bring Ignite the Family under Celebrate Kids. Uh, bring them together as one ministry and Ignite the Family is going to be our conference ministry. So we have a women's conference that you and Matt will be speaking at in uh, early March. We are doing redirected parent conferences and we are doing multi-generational family conferences where moms, dads, grandparents, kiddos are gonna come together and talk and relate because it's challenging today. And it, it you know, we're sitting around talking, thinking, wait, what about marriage? Like, isn't marriage where it starts? Isn't that what God ordains in order to set the family uh, together? And, you know, I'm single and I can't talk about marriage. Um, I do talk about it sometimes, obviously, but I'm not going to teach about it. I'm not going to have an initiative about it. So we were looking for people who get it, people who are authentic, people who understand God's perspective and God's word is firm and, and foremost and not changing, even though the culture is. And I, I we need people here, Lori, we, we never teach parenting at Celebrate Kids in a vacuum. Mm. We teach everything we teach in light of culture because that's what parents and educators and you know single mamas need. And that's what you and Matt do. You consider culture, you consider God and his word and his delight, and you merge those well to, to mm. speak truth. You're a passionate communicator. It's, it's a no brainer. All of us at Celebrate Kids are super excited. We're gonna learn from you, you'll learn from us. I, and I think we're going to take it places. We're, we're totally excited. Thank you, Kathy. That's so encouraging. And if I can encourage you back, guys, when I was emailing some of you who are uh, partners, supporters of Impossible Ministries, just asking you to, you know, pray about, do you want to partner with this new initiative that we're doing? I listed some reasons why we are excited to uh, really take this Impossible Marriage content and launch it with you all, uh, to further launch it. Um, and number one, I said, I get the opportunity to have this mentorship relationship with this older than me, uh, amazing woman who's been rocking this nonprofit for about 30 years. And um, so when you say learn from each other, I'm really excited because I think with Matt and I have been um, frontiers people, you know, mm -hmm. going foraging new territory for, territory for so long. So to have a partnership, to have a community, to be able to ask each other questions and learn from you. I'm so excited, you guys. You don't even know. <laughs> oh, it's, well, you know, and I love that you're teachable and humble. And yeah, 30 years in, it, you know, I never thought I'd have a ministry. And it's it's been a it's been a ride, and it's great, um, and challenging. And for me to be able to speak life into you, for you to have someone you can ask questions of, where you know it'll be confidential. Uh, what a delight. And isn't that what we're supposed to do? Yes. Um, speak life into each other and build each other up and iron sharpens iron. And so um, let's do this. I'm, I'm yeah. excited. Woo, woo. 
Okay, so after that encouraging fairy church love fest, let's move into <laughs> the heart of the matter uh, with our gardens content. And so Kathy is so excited to talk about the intellectual garden as that is your wheelhouse. But before we do that, the purpose of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And so for the last, since 2017, we've been digging up challenging topics and bringing them to the people. Uh, and so I have been asking every guest this set of questions since the beginning, which this is the question. If the gospel is, I am more loved than I imagine, yet more sinful than I believe, when was the gospel first good news for you, Kathy, and how is it still today? I was raised in church, Lori, by really good people who didn't come to faith in Christ until right before they died. So I was a church attending, thinking that church is what saved you, if I even would have used that word. Um, loved it, was very involved, uh, enjoyed it, uh, led there, served there, all of that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a wisdom person. I'm a logic smart person, which we'll get in today. I love it when things make sense. I don't like it when I see I'm crazy. I don't like it when bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I began to look at the gospel through that grid. You know, the, the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I remember thinking, why are there four books when they tell the same story? And why do we use the word story if it's not really a story? And why do we call these people characters? No, Cinderella is a character. Is this a real human being? And I mean, some people are listening to us going, well, that's that's just crazy and irrelevant. No, it's not irrelevant to those of us who are very logic smart. So I came to faith in Christ for his wisdom. I was with my pastor, a youth pastor. I won't go into all that detail, but he understood that I was not asking about love. I'm an introvert from a very tight family. And Lori, I thought I was loved enough. It's like, you know, leave me alone. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Back and, off. Yeah, you know, and what I wanted was answers to my questions. And I'm so grateful that my pastor did not dismiss me. Um, I know people who were dismissed and are now agnostics or atheists because they were not heard. And he pulled up a chair next to me, Lori, and he opened the Holy Word of God and he brought me to Colossians 2.3, which says that in Christ is hidden all wisdom and knowledge. Ooh. And so he met my need for truth in Christ, and I humbled myself. And what I tell young people is I turned off my head and turned on my heart and chose as an act of obedience to believe, and then I quickly turned my head back on. And to be very honest with you, I searched for wisdom for a long time and thoroughly enjoyed the intellectual pursuit, if you will. And I, I hope this isn't offensive. I chose as an act of obedience to fall in love with God. Mm. And, and the more that I realized the sacrifice that he had made for me by sending his one and only son to die on my behalf, of course, I have to love him back because it was yeah. love that compelled him to act. Obviously, we do a lot that we do because of love. And so for me, it was wisdom that started it, love that completed it. Other people might have that in the opposite direction. And what does it mean to me still? You know, I love that we can pursue righteousness and we should and we don't have to be perfect. And we have a loving, full of grace, mercy, and hope and truth God who receives us when we mess up and acknowledge it. So that's part of what it means to me today, the freedom that we have uh, to love well and to to seek truth well and to relax, if you will. Yeah. I sense? love that, Kathy. It does make sense. And man, I love hearing your process of seeking the Lord that started with your head and reached your heart. And now they're working in tandem. That is just, it's just critical. Um, but guys, as we are engaging your 
your head, all of our minds today. <laughs> Not that any of us are decapitated humans that are only minds, <laughs> but uh, you may be listening. You guys may be listening and thinking, ah, I don't want to talk about the brain. I don't want to talk about, you know, the intellectual garden. I'm a heart person. It's the whole in my heart podcast, Lori. Um, but guys, you know, we are called to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, mind soul and strength. So let's use that brain and let's uh, go through the three areas we've been going through with each garden, uh, talking about as solo or single people, then as married people and working with kids and then as the church. So we're going to take this garden and run it through those three areas uh, or groups of people in our life. So solo, single, here I am listening. Again, I'm just going to take the annoyed posture because maybe that's what I would be listening on my own, you know, maybe secretly on Underneath my anger, maybe underneath that is I'm harboring some fear or shame that I am not smart. So maybe that's some of my annoyance, Kathy listening. And can you help me? Because maybe I'm just like, whatever, I'm a heart person. Can you help me understand how I am smart? Yeah, I'd love to do that. And I want to say to the people listening who doubt it, like, I totally get that. I, I wrote the book because I knew that people doubted it. When I taught second graders, I had second graders who doubted it. They would look at me and go, oh, Miss Cook, I can't do this. I'm not smart. Sean's the smart one. And I would grieve and I realized that I had been raised very well and that others didn't have a, a positive affirming message. You know, there's three questions, Lori. Let me start quickly here. Sure. One of the questions is, you know, am I smart? And I like to tell children the answer is always yes, because God doesn't make stupid people. You know, mm -hmm. you can choose to be foolish and make unhealthy decisions, but that wasn't God, your creator's intent. So am I smart? Yes. Then another question is, well, how smart am I? And that allows me to have that bully playground language that some of us remember, you know, I'm smarter than you are. We either said it or we heard it. And that's mm. where this begins, where we have this dichotomy, if you will. And, you know, we put them in camps and they're smart and I'm not. Well, the better question is the question, how am I smart? Right. If we recognize that we're all smart, then the question has to be, well, how am I smart? And I've already explained to the listeners that I am logic smart. That's why my search for, for God started with my mind. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we shouldn't share the same verse that affected us with everyone assuming that it will affect them. We're Ooh. unique, you know, individuals. And um, actually there, and I talk about this in my book, you can evangelize according to the way that someone is smart. And they will. there will be a Bible hero that they appreciate. There will be a, an illustration from Christ that, that really speaks life into them. There may be a name of God that speaks life into them more so than it would you or me because of the way that they're smart. It's really intriguing. Hmm, that really, and that's an important point to make because I'm sure listeners can relate to that already where you're like, this verse, this, I mean, this is why I know the Lord. And you're like, mm. I like Psalm 91. You're like, ah, you know, <laughs> it just makes sense. Yeah, it does. And to not be offended by that, but to realize again that, you know, we're individuals. And I mean, isn't that one of the beautiful things about the word of God? It's alive and it's living yeah. and it's personal and it's intimate. And, you know, that's why knowing it changes you. Um, so there's eight smarts. All of us have all eight or all of us have the capacity for all eight. If there's a stroke in utero, if something happens, you know, then then maybe there is a, a diminished capacity there. But we do believe that there is the potential for all of us to develop all eight. People who don't feel super smart may have come from a background where 
all eight weren't awakened early because there is solid research that says when when it is awakened early it's a greater likelihood to be a strength and that's why we mm. should play eclectically with our kids expose them to museums and and gardens and all kinds of books and all kinds of games and all kinds of activities uh, so keep that in mind um, in no particular order let's go through them Lori and feel sure. free to let me know if you want to interrupt um, word smart people think with words when they're excited they probably talk and school is their safe place the, the only reason I speak about it first is that most people who do well in school who enjoy school even Sunday school and church are word smart people I don't believe it's the most important smart I'm just doing it first because it is the one that people will relate to um, being being smart in school and of course and one of the things I love about your gardens I don't know if I've ever said this to you but you know I, I love to tell young people I just spoke to teenagers on Tuesday and, and I just want to say I love to talk to teens and to say you know Jesus did not die that you would have an abundant school experience <laughs> no it's abundant life right and life is abundant when all of life is abundant yes. the emotion the social the intellectual the the personal and all that so you know it, it matters greatly so word smart we think with words when we're excited we probably talk uh, i was chatty kathy as a kid now people pay me to talk it's really pretty cool <laughs> and, oh you know, so you've childhood. processed that wounding you weren't like chatty kathy okay you process that she's a grown-up kids <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i think that's a quick way for me to say that childhood causes adulthood or childhood, how would you say it, Lori, is essential or related or relevant to who we become, certainly. Mm. Um, mm. And then there's logic smart, and I've already addressed that a little bit with my testimony. Logic smart people think with questions, and we ask more questions when we're excited. So if you have a three-year-old, a 17-year-old, why, 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 why? Um, let's not paralyze that out of them. That's God's gifting that they're logic smart. They want things to make sense. Um, math and science are probably academic disciplines they gravitate toward. Spelling and grammar might slay them because they don't make sense. Um, and they get angry when parents don't make sense. And when uh, when a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse doesn't make sense. It's irritating because logic smart people, man, we, we have a lot of black and white, not a lot of gray. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that unless you use it as a weapon against someone else. That's already encouraging to me as one of my kids for sure is logic smart asking why and how things work constantly. And I'm always like, ask Matt when he's home. Ask your dad. <laughs> ask your dad. And it's funny as a parent, I can get a little shamey where I'm like, I don't know, but you want to, you know, talk about let's write sentences. Let's write a book. Um, but it, it's good to just know, like, man, you are smart. You're not better smart than me, but you are different smart than me at age four. <laughs> yes, yes. And how exciting for your kids to learn that. And then there's less shame and there's less judgment and there's, there's less of a hierarchical view that they're going to have even toward their peers. And and I would say too, in addition to wait till your dad gets home, you know, let's learn with them, you know, for parents yeah. and grandparents and teachers to humble ourselves and say, man, that's a great question. Never would have thought of it. You know, let's look it up and let's read a different book and let's have the children's librarian on speed dial. Uh, the third one is picture smart. And picture smart people think with their eyes in pictures, we pay attention to color design, um, the, the letters in a word, um, where things are placed on a page, um, picture smart, art and creativity, uh, fiction and history, and even Bible because we remember things historically. So those, like I, I went on field trips or, and family vacations, which is where history came alive for me. I'm not very picture smart. I am picture smart because all of us have all eight. It's not a strength of mine, so I don't tend to remember um, what I read well that I that I picture. I don't read fiction. You know, you and I are both authors, and I'm 
much better at authoring the nonfiction. And I have to work hard to add adjectives because I don't think with pictures. And so I don't value that side. But other people are like, where are the adjectives that will make the pictures in my mind when I read? Mm, that makes sense to me. Even just different authors of nonfiction, how we can think differently. I love yeah. that. The, the next one is music smart. And I'm assuming the same four-year-old I'm thinking of, she may be both logic and music. Is it primary or what's the language you use? Like best or strength? Of I would use strongest. Smart? Yeah, strongest. This, 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 okay. the, the strongest and the weakest. With children, I don't like to use the word weak, but with us, we certainly can do that. What's yeah. interesting, Lori, is that logic and music are connected. Um, huh. mu- those of us who are music smart know that it's a logical discipline. It appears to others maybe to be very creative out of the box. I'm um, just like picture. There's picture smart people who can be very logic in the way that they approach the illustration or the, the color and design and others who are more creative, if you will. But music smart people think with rhythms and melodies. We um, make make sound when we're excited. So we hum, we whistle, we toe tap, we bebop. The pencils always become drumsticks. And um, just a quick illustration. I, I come from a very music smart family. I played many, many instruments when I was a kid. I went to the college I went to to march in the band. My high school went to the Rose Bowl Parade to march. I come from a very music smart family. All of my cousins, my brother, the, the woman he married, and music is still very important to me. When I look at what do I do with my time and my money, you know, concerts and, you know, concerts in the park, the symphony, uh, spending money maybe on discovering new music. And so it was important to me when I was young in school. It it maybe, it didn't keep me in school because I was also an academic and I enjoyed education. But some of like music and art, music and picture, they may not, people might go, no, they're not smart if they are that. No, they are, they're smart differently. They're smart with a creative bent and it's essential. And it might be the very thing that keeps a kid in school to participate in drama, to participate in a, in a, yearbook in, in a you know I get to you know design the the case where all the trophies are because I'm picture smart and I can display it well and then later in life it's it's the joy so music yeah it's important because abundant life not abundant school experience so good I'm, I, hope so. I can already tell people listening are encouraged uh, even if they're reflecting on their own childhood experience they're like oh shoot Maybe I was smart. Well, sure, you know, because it's no one's fault that they didn't call it out of us if they didn't know. You know, we can't we can't be mad at parents and teachers who didn't say, well, you're creative, therefore you're smart. This is a relatively new understanding. But I, I love that you and I can say to people, no, if you're if you know that you're creative and you know you love music, it's because you're smart that you're creative and you love music. You're musical, you're talented, you're creative, you're artistic because you're smart. And so the kids who are word and logic sitting in the front of the row, if you will, turning around and saying, well, you're not smart. Well, that's a lie. And and you need Mm. to correct that understanding. Both, it goes in both directions. It's a good word, Kathy. I hope so. Then there's body smart. And I wonder, I bet you have at least one of these. You've got three kids. I do. Um, Body smart people think with movement and touch, and they love to experience life through through movement. So swing sets and rocking chairs and clipboards and beanbag chairs. And, you know, my goodness, they're just movers, shakers, rattlers, and rollers. They may be athletic. They may be artistic with clay versus watercolor. They may be the drama kids who can make their whole body look angry, even though they're not angry at all themselves, really. (laughs) Uh, They might have great handwriting. They might be able to, you 
know, stir the batter for Christmas cookies and keep it all in the bowl. So again, it's a practical reality and it also can lead to something that's really precious. These are our truck drivers, if you will. These are, you know, how grateful are we for the grocery store workers who, you know, walk the aisles and place the products where they're supposed to be. That's that's a body smart. Now, anybody can do that. You don't have to be body smart to necessarily do that well. But I bet if you're body smart, you do it more efficiently. You do it with greater grace. And it's something that you probably really do enjoy, if that makes sense. I My oldest, the ballerina is what I would call her. Uh, she would probably be body smart. Yes. What's what's nature smart look like? Yeah, I'm going to back up and say something oh, about your daughter. No, please. it's really good. I'm a former dancer. My parents enrolled me in tap dance and ballet because I was too tall in my mind and clumsy and not comfortable in my own skin. And I'm very, very grateful for dance because it really did change me. People who are ballerinas, dancers, if you will, it's body and music. And so one of the things I can say quickly on is that these never work alone. We're presenting them as if they do because that's the only way you can talk about them, but they work together. So if you're word and picture, you're better at fiction than nonfiction, possibly. If you're logic and picture, you maybe are into architecture and design, not necessarily the creative use of art. So your daughter, music, she feels the beat and can do the ballet. And then the body smart, she loves to make her arms go where she wants them to go. Nature smart people, interesting, this one. Um, they'd rather be outside than inside. They think with patterns. That's how they know it's a bluebird, not a blue jay, an elm tree, not an elm, not an oak tree. Uh, they're good with their eyes. So it's kind of related to picture smart, but definitely more into the patterning of what, what nature looks like. And it can even be how you feel it and how you hear it, the bird call. Um, but mostly it would be seeing the pattern with your eyes and paying attention to nature. So this would be biology, meteorology, earth science. So again, if you've got a kid who I don't do science, or I'm not good at science. I love to say to young people, maybe we haven't found the science yet that you'll be good at. It's good. Right. That's encouraging. And I love just the reframe that you do, uh, because that's how it's just is. Aren't we so prone to like self despair and then the world will eat you up in three seconds. And so yes. I love the reframe. What Maybe we haven't found it yet. I wonder if Matt is nature smart because he's always looking for patterns, even in his therapy. But I, I don't know. I'll have to think well, about Well, you know that. what? It's, it's possibly a skill that a therapist has to have. And if you're nature smart by God's intent, then you're going to find it easier. And that'll make you a better therapist. And then if you're word and logic, you have a way of talking about it with someone. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. And if I could quickly say that back to the idea of um, evangelism, if I know that somebody is nature smart because I've watched them garden in their backyard or I'm on an airplane and, and we talk about what we do in our spare time and this person enjoys gardening, well, then I'm going to talk about Noah and Jonah and creation and Genesis 1 and Psalm 46 and Psalm 23 and how God is a creator with a capital C and didn't he do an amazing job? And did you know that a giraffe has a long black purple tongue because it's out of its mouth a lot and the sun is hot and the sunburn. I mean, the, where somebody who's maybe word smart is like, what, the giraffe? I don't care. But the creative <laughs> nature smart person is sitting in the airplane with me going, what? What did you just say? And then I get to say, if God is that intentional when creating a giraffe, why wouldn't you think he was intentional when in creating you? Hmm. You know, it says in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, you were knit together. That's a precise intentional skill. The the creator has to think about it. You are You are not an accident. And the fact that you're nature smart, and I can tell that about you, has brought you delight, and I'm so happy for you. That's so good. Now you have the gospel I, potential. 
I'm even picturing Matt. Like, I bet he's nature and logic. Uh, but if he is that combination, I'm just picturing Matt not saved. And I was like, he'd be really interested in that, to be honest with you. Yes. Well, and that's a good point. And that, and then he leans in. And now and now yeah. you get to talk about the things of the gospel. Not, you don't have to start with you're a sinner, you know. Right. That's not terribly appealing. People usually already know that they're in trouble. No, let's talk about something that they actually might want to talk about. Good stuff, Kathy. Let's move to Thanks. People Smart. Yeah, People Smart is thinking with other people. It's brainstorming, networking, collaborating. It's really what you and I are doing right here. Um, nature, uh, people Smart people think with other people. They think, um, so word smart people talk, but they don't need an audience. Mm. People smart people talk to people when they're excited. You can be in a restaurant. You can actually ask your server a question about something that you're intellectually pursuing. You don't know the person from Adam, but you, you want people to kind of respond and to refresh your ideas, if you will. So these are the kids in school who would rather do something with a partner than alone. Um, these are people who may uh, struggle with loneliness. Um, the, the pandemic might be really hard for people smart people because we do our best thinking with other people. And so if we are isolated and, and challenged, that, that might be why we don't even trust our thoughts right now. Like, I totally get that. Um, People Smart, I'll say quickly, I think it's the most important one. And the reason is, Lori, again, if you're looking just at a school thing, then Word and Logic, because we talk, write, read, listen, ask and answer questions all day in school. So Word and Logic are certainly very important if you're raising school or if you yourself are in graduate school or finishing up a degree or you're doing some classes at a church. Good for you. Um, what I think is interesting is that people, smart people, not only do they think with other people, collaborate, cooperate, you learn to persuade without debate. These are important skills for us to have and for us to raise up into our kids. And also, we're the ones who can read body language and respond appropriately. You can discern, oh, that person's for me, that person's against me. And you want your kids, Lori, to be able to walk into a children's church or a youth group when they're older and figure out where to sit because it looks like that person might be someone I might enjoy getting to know. Hmm. It's a very, very important skill. Hmm. Is that also where, like, caution, the red flags of, like, you know, because when kids are teeny tiny, they're like, everyone's my best friend. Uh -huh. So even discerning who's a good guy, for lack of a better term, or gal, mm -hmm. or, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, so just even the stranger danger situation. Absolutely. That's why I would I would celebrate this one, the people smart. I would maybe even read that chapter in my book first about how do I establish that with a kid. You know, one of the keys to discernment, which we talk about a lot at Celebrate Kids, is who do I give a second chance to? Um, you know, mm -hmm. I've, I've hung out with this person for a while and now they've they've gossiped a fourth time or they've lied or they've, you know, then do I give them another chance? And if not, how do I how do I deal with that? Those are all skills within that people smart category. Very, very important. Love it. Self smart. I'm wondering if this is one of my ones. <laughs> I, I believe so. And again, you know, we have all eight. And so um, but I love that normally you're going to see. Yeah, you're going to see two, three or four. Probably there'll be one to four that are probably pretty easy to see. Self smart people think deeply inside of themselves. And um, if they're excited, they want to go off by themselves and reflect. So people, smart people, think with other people and look for people to talk to. Self-smart people or people with that strength reflect inside of themselves and when excited, want to keep doing that in, in quiet. They can appear to be lonely and disrespectful. That's not the case unless there's you know sin in the camp. Um, Self-smart people tend to be quiet but they have a lot to say and they're worth listening to. They can underperform in school. 
this might be if somebody's listening thinking oh boy this is mine but i've never felt smart self-smart people have a hard time feeling smart because all your thoughts are inside and you don't honor them enough to share with a spouse a parent a teacher and i've had young people say well you know the teacher takes off seven points i don't know why well, it's because you didn't say enough. Well, they should know what I know. They taught it to me. And then I say to the kid, play the game called school, you know, write it down. But self-smart people reflect counselors, therapists, um, great husbands and wives, I think, um, teachers, um, again, people who like a salesperson who spends a lot of time alone um, might be might have this strength and that's why they can be content alone. People in self, um, all of us have all eight, Lori. So if somebody has people and self, both as strengths, it can appear to be that I'm inconsistent, moody, in need of counseling. Uh, but those are <laughs> wonderful combinations because the self smart part of me knows what I know what I know and the people smart part of me is willing to share it. So it's a beautiful thing. Ooh, that's really cool. Hey guys, it's Lori. And Matt. And Steve. Hey guys, we have recently discovered a new to us translation of the Bible called the Christian Standard Bible. And you know what? We love it. (laughs) Currently, we really like the Holy Land Illustrated Edition. Yeah, I love that one because I've never been to Israel or Turkey or anything. And so to like see those places while I'm reading. Yeah, it just it makes you feel like uh, like you're experiencing it without having to drop a few thousand dollars to do so. Uh, Yeah. So, guys, if you want to check out this Holy Land Illustrated Bible, visit CSBHolyLandIllustratedBible.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes. How do you connect these intelligences, these smarts to core needs, which you have your own list, you've got a separate book on that. How do you connect them? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Uh, So security, who can I trust? If I believe I'm smart, then I might be willing to trust myself. If I believe that, you know, my mom is smart differently, my husband is smart, but differently, I know when to approach him, when to ask him for advice, when to maybe not, because it'll simply frustrate the situation. So security, who can I trust? Which of those eight uh, smarts are in the top four is part of that identity. Who am I? This is huge. There are people, I, I did a seminar once, Lori, I was in a teacher training situation and I had everything from uh, f- administrators, teachers, and teacher's aides. One of the greatest victories I think of my 30-year ministry is a teacher's aide who came up to me at the end and said, I'm smarter than I knew I was. I'm going to go back and finish my degree. That's beautiful. It is beautiful. That's identity. She didn't think she was smart enough for the four-year degree, so she stopped after two and she became an aide. And we need teacher's aides. We do, and I. But I love that that empowerment for people who know our list of core needs, which we have got ten of them, and there's some overlap between you and I. And I'm sure mm-hmm. in these next couple of years, we're going to figure out how to to combine them. Can you tell us your five of core needs as you're processing through their relation to these smarts? Right. So security is who can I trust? Identity, who am I? Belonging, who wants me? Purpose, why am I alive? And competence, what do I do well? And I base that on Ephesians and, and, and other places. So security, identity, identity, who am I? Belonging, who wants me? Again, you know, if I'm, if I'm nature smart and I want to get to know somebody, maybe they will want to go to the park and maybe they won't. If I want to get to know somebody who I know is picture smart, maybe I'm willing to go to an art museum. Maybe I'm willing to go to the park and look at the shape of the leaves. So we can develop our friendships and our relationships according to how we are smart. It helps us know what to talk about, what to share, what not to share because we're going to bore them and that's not 
that the intent of friendship? And then, you know, purpose, why am I alive? Well, as my example, you know, I'm a chatty Cathy with a low voice who doesn't spell all that well, uh, who loves people and hello, you know, become a public speaker and a motivational, you know, radio personality, if you will, and an author of six books. So your identity, your security, this is how I'm smart, shows up in purpose. It's Ephesians 2.10. We're gifted in advance to do good works. Let's walk in them. And this is the combination. Uh, purpose also, you know, we can we can behave badly out of our smarts, Lori. As somebody who's word smart, I can gossip, tease, name call, always impressed with my vocabulary, always want the last word. Those are, we, we I almost want to write a book, Sin by Style, or like mm, style or sin, go. right? Like the sin that's easy for us. And so that's a really dangerous thing. So purpose, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not called to gossip and tease and name call. So I want to steward the gift I am, the gift I have, which is again, how we how we relate security, identity, belonging, purpose, what do I do well? And then com- or purpose, why am I alive? And then competence, what do I do well? Well, look, I'm, I'm nature smart and word smart. Maybe I could write a, a, a little book about the zebra, which is my favorite animal. I'm, you know, again, maybe I'm logic smart and picture smart and nature smart. My dad was an engineer. He was a brilliant engineer. He could see things in his mind before they were built. Um, so competence, what do I do well? Absolutely. When you know you're smart, people who are listening thinking, no, Kathy, I'm not smart. My brother was the smart one. You know, maybe I'm creative and and outgoing. I'm not smart. That's a lie from the devil. I want to say with a lot of love for you that you are smart. And when you own that smart differently, it's not who am I smarter than? It's just that I am smart. And how am I smart can help me develop, again, my competencies. In my case, knowing that I'm not terribly picture smart, knowing that I don't see in my head when I read and write means that when I edit my work, I look to put an adjective in front of every noun. Mm, I don't always do it, but that's how I edit. Or the vivid verb, because I didn't use one, because I didn't see it in my head. That's so, I love that humble approach, you know, humble at yourself and, you know, even here's my, how I could sin this way, but then also not a lick of shame as you're speaking. So just with the last couple minutes that we have left, I'd like to just offer one encouragement for married people and then one for the church when it comes to knowing these areas of smart. So for married people, you know, they've been quarantined in and out, maybe sick, maybe some have gotten COVID and not, and a lot of marriages are hurting. Um, you know, throughout 2020 and 2021, how would engaging this intellectual garden, knowing these smarts, how can we engage each other? Like, how can we use this tool to reach across the aisle in a place of potential tension? Yeah, I love that. You know, first, have your spouse listen to the podcast so that you have shared vocabulary. Otherwise, you have power over your spouse, which is never good. So possibly get the book, but certainly read the podcast, listen to the podcast and maybe make a list and say, hey, you know, to your wife, say, "I, I see this in you in these ways. You say to your husband, man, I never thought about you. You know, I, ju- I thought you were creative, but now I understand that your body's smart and you know that's why you do the things that you do. So I think to call it out, to use the language, I'm very, I think specific language is really, really important. So that's, that's quick. And I also, I guess, you know, if you love jigsaw puzzles and your spouse doesn't, leave it alone. Mm. If you love Trivial Pursuit type board games, 
and your spouse doesn't, don't go there. Find the things that you can both enjoy more readily. I'm not saying that you don't stretch. I'm not saying that you don't you don't give and, and honor your spouse by going in your spouse's direction. But to be really, really careful of that. That's so good. And if I can just get that sound bite and give it right to Matt about puzzles, that would be great. And I'm sure very helpful for our marriage. No. Do, you, do you not like them, but he does? <laughs> yeah, but we have actually found a compromise in 3D puzzles, Kathy. Those are actually fun because I don't know. You don't have to search. It's the searching I hate. I'm like, I'm bored and I'm sweating uh, and I'm annoyed. <laughs> so I like finding the that's 3D That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my family, we, we grew up with jigsaw puzzles and we we all, praise God, we all enjoy them. But I, but I totally get it. I walk away sooner than my brother does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. An exhortation for the church and how we can utilize this beautiful tool of, and again, thanks for the the smarts combination with the core needs. But here we are in the church. We've been kind of meeting, especially here in Michigan. You know, we've been still shut down forever and ever. And so churches maybe are 40% capacity, often masked up. So again, how do we even connect with each other? Can you help us use this as a tool to connect with each other right now? I hope so. Laurie, I want to say that we connect because we have to. Yeah. We are, we are, we, we are designed for the one anothering. We are iron sharpens iron. We are designed for connection. And the wearing of the mask is probably hardest for people smart because we're the ones that read body language and, and love the eyes and the mouth and the facial responses. So it's challenging, but go to church with a mask anyway, because obviously it's church and it's God's house. And ideally we, we try to be there. I don't say that disrespectfully to the people who stay home for whatever number of reasons, but again, to connect, to honor each other, you know, to notice the person who always wears the perfect jewelry and it matches the outfit to call that out. You know, it's not inappropriate. Um, I tell a story sometimes of a nature smart person who changed churches because the sanctuary was so ugly and there were no <laughs> even fake plants in the front. And so, you know, and I, we might think that that's ridiculous. You know, I, I'm a word smart, logic smart person and I love people. So I want a pastor who's a great shepherd and loves the word of God. And, and my pastor does. So how we even choose a church can be influenced by how we're smart. What we like in the church can be influenced. If somebody doesn't sing with gusto, maybe they're not terribly music smart. It doesn't necessarily mean they don't love God. So stop shaming and blaming and assuming those kinds of things. Um, I could go on and on. And I think, I guess I'll say one more thing, to serve where you're gifted. You know, I think we're all called to serve. And I think there's a responsibility. Like we all pray, even if we don't say we have the gift of intercession. So we all, we all do what we need to do for the body to be healthy. However, there are a lot of people saying yes to things that they should be saying no to so that they can say yes to the better thing and somebody else can say yes to something else that they shouldn't be you know, doing because it does, it's not operating in their gifting. So again, if you know yourself well, then you can step out and say to a pastor or say to a lay leader, hey, I, I think I'm very gifted in picture smart. I think with my eyes, I think I'm good with color and design. Is there any way that I could serve and be a blessing uh, here in the church? That's so good. And I will add to Kathy, something I've seen you do even in this podcast and just generally or on email is when you see it, you say it. And uh, so when you see someone who is doing something good or you want to call out smart, you say it. And I think too many of us are like sly little cats and they're like, mm, well, maybe I see it. But now say it, you guys, right now is the time to see and say. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you. So, Thank you. It's important. Yeah. I think it's great. Any last word uh, for people, just a last exhortation, uh, maybe one or two sentences of if they're feeling stupid 
and they're maybe starting to hear they're smart, just of an encouragement or a blessing to them. I want to say that if people did not call these out of you, it might be because they didn't know. We can't hold people accountable to something they don't know and be mad at them. So possibly forgive quickly, possibly assume that they were wrong and that you now have a right understanding. Um, You're very different from who you were back in the day when you thought that you were stupid. You have a choice to believe us or not. This is based on solid research um, and it makes, I think it makes sense. So I can't imagine people listening and going, no, 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 no. You have to humble yourself and believe that it's okay to be smart. Don't feel like there's pressure there. So forgive and walk in your reality. Look for the truth that's there. So good. You can choose to believe it today. Man, Kathy, thank you so much for joining us today. You are an encouragement, Lori. I loved it. And I'll be praying that our listeners really take it to heart and are changed by what we've talked about. I pray it so too. Man, guys, go get Dr. Kathy's book, Eight Great Smarts, and also her Five to Thrive, which is all about those core needs. Just grab them both while you're at it. Thank you again for joining us today, Kathy. And guys, for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you, you smart people, next week.